Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to another live podcast broadcast with Pega Kedkodian to talk Nailed about. It. Nailed yeah. it. Yeah. Um, she's an executive transformation coach. And today we're going to talk a bit about um, being resilient and leading a resilient life um, while finding our new path in this uh, really fun time that we have. Um, so, uh, thank you for joining me today, Pega. And could you please tell the people a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that term executive transformation coach is like so vague. People are like, well, what is, what does that even mean? So I, I work with, um, I work with senior leaders, uh, in, in an organization. So my, my clients are executive women, um, whether they're senior leaders in organizations or they're running their own business. Um, that tends to be the population I work with the most. And so executive coach for that reason and um, transformation coach, because what I really support them in doing is cultivating a more resilient life, which is pretty transformational. And, um, you know, we'll get into this more as we uh, get into the podcast, but I have a, um, <clears throat> a system. It's seven pillars to cultivating more resilience, which is why it's called radical resilience, because there's an actual how-to. It's not just okay. conceptual and theoretical. There's actually steps and ways that you can begin to do that in your life. So you said seven pillars. Mm -hmm. What are those pillars like? Can you break those down for us a little bit? For sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, to kind of go high level, there's sort of three components to radical resilience, and that's to heal and then to thrive and then ultimately to evolve. So it's those three things. And within those three bigger concepts reside these seven pillars. So the uh, first pillar is radical self-care. And, um, you know, that term self-care is getting a lot days. And uh, we call it radical because it's a very different view of self-care. It's not just pampering. A lot of times these days, uh, pampering and self-care get a bit confused. I think pampering is great. Getting a massage and having a spa day is awesome, but our definition of self-care goes far beyond that. So it's really about supporting yourself mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. So, okay. you know, from a real basic level, I call it kindergarten care. It's like, what are you eating? How are you moving? Are you resting? You know, in terms of supporting your physical body and then the mental body and emotional body and so on and so forth. So that's pillar number one. So, so number two, like, Kind of wrap my head around that. So you're saying self-care isn't about making yourself feel good. It's about doing what you need to do in order to actually make your body and mind run properly. Yes. Uh, it's not that they're mutually exclusive. It's not that pampering couldn't be some component of your self-care. It certainly can be. It's nice to do things that make you feel good. And uh, that's actually one of the pillars a little down the line is to make sure you are doing things that make you feel good. <laughs> um, but our definition of self-care is really, you know, caring for all four of your bodies, your physical body, your mental body, your emotional body, and your spiritual body. Uh, and sometimes caring for their, all of those bodies isn't necessarily the thing that makes you like feel amazing, but it's the thing that might be necessary, right? So it's like yeah. eating healthy foods and moving your body every day in a way that feels like joyful and expansive and maybe refraining from feeding your mind with nothing but Netflix and, you know, clickbait on 
on uh, social media. Yeah, but that, that stuff's proven to be good for you. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, so that's radical self-care, pillar number one. And then uh, the second pillar is, um, and again, these are not linear. They're just kind of, I, I share them with you in no particular order and sequence, but kind of keeping in mind that there's healing and thriving, right? And then evolving. Mm -hmm. so second pillar is um, uncovering your um, identity and uh, reclaiming, or rather, I flipped those. So reclaiming your identity and uncovering your dharma, which is just fancy words for what is your mission, vision, and value in life, right? So who are you? Who do you want to be? And what are you up to? And is it in alignment with sort of what you feel is your highest um, and best uh, purpose? Okay. So, yeah. And then the third thing is really kind of where the, the deep work is, and that's the, um, the two pillars of healing the heart, which really goes to doing some practical things to really heal wounds rather, you know, so whether it's like childhood wounds or um, getting into your mental programming. Um, so that's really where a lot of the healing work comes in. So I'm a trainer of neurolinguistic programming and I'm also a practitioner of some energy modalities like theta healing and ancient Hawaiian shamanic practices like Huna. So all of that comes in, you know, so like both practical and woo-woo at the same time. Um, so we use those things to, to heal. Uh, and then unconditional uh, acceptance is, is the next pillar. And that's really learning how to navigate um, emotions and difficult times like in the moment. So that pillar has been really prevalent these days, of course, right? Because we're all navigating crazy yeah. times. Um, so that's the heal side of the equation. I don't know. Uh, so that's how we heal. And then on the thrive side, and this is where we kind of like to, to talk about what you are um, alluding to, which is feeling good. We've got some things that we want to do to make sure you're thriving as an individual. So um, things like cultivating creativity. So doing things that really enhance your ability to tap into that creative energy. And that can mean different things for different people. It's not just about like making art, you know, it's whatever your particular creative expression is. Um, and then we've got um, connection and community. So making sure that you are part of a uh, tribe that feels like it's a supportive community for you and um, that you surround yourself with people who are elevating to you rather than people who want to, you know, hold you back and, and hold you in that same light of maybe the disempowered version of yourself. So kind of cleaning up your community, if you will. And then um, joy as a daily spiritual practice. So here's kind of what, what are the things that make you feel good, right? So <laughs> you know, it's important to have pleasure in your life. So what are the things that bring you pleasure and bring you joy? And are you actually, um, do you know what those things are for some form of the uh, seven pillars that's pretty great and the idea of evolution is that you keep doing that so you know heal thrive and evolve is that you just you keep doing these seven pillars it's not that you do them once you know and then you're done but we continue to evolve so there it is that's pretty awesome i feel like your um, profession is probably very needed right now um, yeah it's uh, you know, it's it's timely. I'll say that. Yeah. I've, in my experience, I would say that most of the time when um, 
people are coming to you or to people in kind of your area, they're one of two people, either somebody that, I guess it still kind of falls under the same umbrella of just self-improvement, but either like something has recently kind of traumatized them or just knocked them off track and they're trying to like get back or uh, the kind of like the overachiever crowd. Exactly. Just like every day, like I want to be as best as I can. Like, how can I make myself better today? And they just try anything and everything to work out all the kinks and be more. That's exactly right. I mean, that you've just perfectly described my client base, which is folks either who are like, man, I've really gone through something big, right? Whether it's like divorce, you know, the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job, you know, especially Mm -hmm. these days, um, or just some sort of really big transition that they weren't expecting. And they're kind of going, whoa, I've lost grounding. I've lost my sense of you know, home base and stability, or they are, you know, super duper high achievers. And they're like, I just want to be better. Um, And you really, you know, my, my client base, uh, they, they're, they're kind of nailing it already at work, right? When it comes to the Mm -hmm. career, they're like, they got that bit handled, but, um, you know, one of two things might be going on, or one of a few things I should say might be going on. They're either burnt out because they haven't really learned how to manage all the aspects of their life in a way that feels harmonious, um, or they're looking to level up and they're going, I think there's something more here and I'm not really sure what my life is about anymore. So I need some support to gain a, a greater level of like fulfillment. So, yeah. So it sounds like, um, I guess, how do I want to say this? So in my experience, when you come to, I guess, a crossroads or like a valley in life, Mm. it's generally not um, feeling like there's an alignment between with where, who you understand yourself to be and where your place in the community fits. Yeah. Um, Because we are very, at our core, community-based creatures. Mm. And in order to feel safe, secure, happy, healthy, wealthy, I think one of the first things that needs to be there, the base, is understanding your place in your community and having Mm. a valued place in your community. So anytime you find yourself outside of alignment with where you think you should be in the community versus where you actually are, is yeah. when I feel that there comes a lot of necessary for alignment practices and inner work and self-discovery and working on yourself to just kind of try and get that back. Because the only way to get that back is to align yourself with who you truly are, I feel like. Exactly. I mean, it's really beautifully put, you know. So a lot of times when when we do come into those valleys, as, as you said, um, it really shines a spotlight on on that what you just articulated, which is, whoa, like, I don't feel like I'm in full alignment within my community, or I don't feel like my business or my position really aligns with who I am at at my core. And where the existential problem resides is that people don't really know yet who they are. They've really overly identified with the external, right? They're overly identified with their job or their role as a parent or their role as a spouse. And now they've gotten shaken up. They've gotten, you know, like they're like the mm-hmm. equilibrium is off and they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And they realize something's out of alignment to your to your point. And so 
a lot of that deep inner work is about uncovering who are you really. And so, you know, the reason we call it radical resilience is that our definition of resilience is a bit radical. It's not just about I'm going to pull myself up from, you know, with the, by my bootstraps and when you know who you are, like really at the essence of who you are, um, when you really uncover the essential aspect of yourself mm-hmm. uh, and you can really reside in that congruently, then life can throw anything at you and you can come right back home to that sense of alignment and you can pivot and shift. And if your community or your job or your role uh, no longer aligns with that, which you are, you change, you shift, you move. You yeah, know? definitely. I, um, I've definitely experienced that myself. Um, and I, I like to kind of lump in um, depression into that yeah. period of misalignment. Um, and I know that there's a lot of different types and reasons for depression. So when I'm about to speak, I only speak from my experience on it. Sure. But in my experience, depression is, um, or also kind of grief. So a, it's what everybody's feeling right now, um, and it's um, it's a loss of what the world used to be and where people used to be because everybody everything just changed overnight. So, but what to me it is, is it's shutting down your emotions so that you can spend more energy cognitively to figure out your new role in your community. Mm. When's the last time you ever made a good decision when you were emotional? Yeah, I I can definitely speak to that. So I I personally have had experiences of depression in my life. Um, You know, uh, I'll, I'll get into kind of why the heck resilience in a little bit when I tell you a little bit more about my background. But um, I just kind of want to speak to the difference between depression and grief, because there is a difference. Um, And a lot of a lot of the folks I I work with, and certainly from my own personal experience, um, have have had this uh, thing we call depression, right? Um, I've had an experience of that. Now, depression is when we depress uh, our emotions. And it can be a depression of anger. It can be a depression of, you know, some other actual emotion that is asking to be expressed. And so what we're doing is we're shutting down, as you said, you know, we're shutting down certain aspects of ourselves because it's just too much or it's too hard or, you know, the world tells us it's not okay to express that particular emotion. And so we depress it. And as a result, we do shut down. We close off and we we kind of go inside we reclude we don't want to engage you know so all these sort of symptoms of depression begin to manifest but there's a difference between depression which is a shutting down and grief which is an experience of real emotions that need to be experienced when we have loss and um if we don't give ourselves permission to grieve you know, and and to have an expression of those very necessary emotions when there has been a loss, um, then we can shift into depression because we haven't let those emotions express. Um, you know, someone who speaks very articulately about this topic is Marianne Williamson. If you've ever read her book, Tears to Triumph, 
Um, she talks about how sometimes there is a very necessary period of time that we need to have these very normal emotions that as a society we've decided are somehow unacceptable. So we need to medicate them or we need to, you know, find some other means of distraction so we don't feel them. And I agree, we can't think clearly in the midst of heightened emotion. That's true. And so what do we do with that? We do need to let ourselves experience these emotions and express them mm. and navigate our way through them so that we can get to a place where we're not being ruled by our emotions, but we can think clearly and cognitively. But I just want to make sure that we can separate those things and make that distinction because so, you know, your emotions when you experience loss are necessary. And in my model of how we do things, if you have a lot of baggage, and by that I mean unresolved emotions, unresolved uh, emotional experiences that are um, that you're carrying around in your nervous system, then when you have an experience of loss, it becomes even more amplified than what it would be if you didn't have that. So emotions are pretty magnetic. And what happens of whatever that emotion is that's come up for you, kind of comes along and like a magnet attaches itself to that experience. And now you're having an emotional experience that might be way more um, debilitating or sort of way more, we could say, out of proportion to what happened. So the thing to do really is to take some time and process that baggage, you know, some of the old wounds, the traumas, and that's where we talk in, in the resilience stuff about, you know, um, healing the heart. So that when you have this experience, you're, you're able to process the emotions that are there for you that are real. Because we can't deny that we're having an, an emotion. You know, if somebody's just lost their job, and I've, I've been there. I've, I've been in a situation not recently, but a couple of years ago where I lost a job that meant the world to me. I had defined myself by this role. And it was devastating when I lost this job, you know. And... I had to really practice what I teach, but I couldn't get through that time without allowing the emotions to actually be expressed. In fact, I prolonged mm -hmm. that healing period by trying not to feel those emotions, right? I took actually didn't practice what I teach for a little bit, and then I got wise and went, you know, you teach this stuff, maybe you ought to do it. So <laughs> it's really important right now that you that you give yourself permission. Like if you've lost your job, if you've um, you know, lost a loved one to this uh, virus, if you're, you know, just in a position where you feel a sense of loss, give yourself permission to feel those emotions, to grieve, to cry, to do that. Because one of my very, very wise teachers once said, you know, underneath that grief, once you kind of get back, you get underneath that layer of grief is something very exquisite. It's clean. It's, um, it's, it's where that clear thinking can happen. But you have to get through that grief and you can't deny that time. You have to give yourself that. And um, certainly I have many ways and means that you can get through that with grace. But um, it's important that we feel the feels so that we can think clearly because you're absolutely right. We can't <laughs> really think clearly in the midst of all of that emotion. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's funny. Um how you mentioned that 
because you've been doing this, I imagine, for a while, and then you had to take yourself through your own course, basically. Yeah. And that just reminded me of the old saying that there's a difference between knowing the path and walking the path. Exactly. And then, so I think that I think that's phenomenal. A for you, like as a coach and a leader in this space, to be able to have actually gone through it, so that you can actually be more empathic with the people going through it and be like I've actually been exactly where you're sitting like you didn't just read a book you didn't just learn about it from courses like I've been there and I've worked my way through these processes for myself because I had to and I think that that's a very important distinction in um transferring yourself from I guess like an educated novice to a master of something. Thank you. Is being like you can you can learn from something or from somebody all day every day, but until you actually have to go through a process yourself, you can't actually know how hard or difficult or every bit of energy that you have to put into it to come out the other side. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I'll tell you what, you know, this whole process was born of of, of necessity for myself, you know? So, Mm -hmm. uh, I, I've been through some shit. (laughs) Let me just put it to you that way. Not unlike most other human beings walking the planet, right? We've all been through things. Um, but why resilience for me is that, uh, it's, it's kind of baked into my DNA. I mean, I always like to share just a little bit about my origin story as to why, this work means so much to me. I mean, I had I had two very influential women in my life that I modeled, um, both of whom had been through extraordinary, extraordinarily difficult things, and I watched them, and and they were really the embodiment of resilience for me as a as a young person. So my mom and my aunt, both of whom, I mean, just unspeakable things, you know. Um, ripped from their countries of origin, you know, my, my mom had on her own after living in a, a pretty comfortable affluent life in Iran, you know, the revolution happened and having to then escape and, you know, find refuge uh, in a, a country that's foreign where you don't speak the language and kind of rebuild everything, you know, and, and my aunt's is pretty extraordinary as well, you know. So I modeled these two women and and was like unconsciously, of course, you know, just kind of seeing this in my life, the embodiment of, of what resilience looks like. And then, you know, for me personally, I've you know, you talk about having been through it, you know, I'm a pretty open book. And at this point, having dealt with a lot of my old wounds, I can speak pretty freely about the things that I've experienced. I don't see them as having happened to me. I see them as happening as having happened for me so that I can do this work. You know, I, I was a, was a child of sexual abuse at a very young age. I had, uh, you know, like almost, you know, almost took my life, this eating disorder that I had at 17, you know, I mean, I've, I've experienced depression more than once in my life. You know, I got, I went through a very painful divorce uh, in my thirties. You know, I lost my father about three years ago and that was the most, one of the most devastating things ever because he was like my whole world. And then the the loss of this job. So I've had multiple experiences in my life where this work has had to come into play. And it was born really of 
a period in my life after my divorce when I was questioning what the heck I was doing here and what my life was about. And I was working with a coach and uh, sort of received this download about, oh, resilience. Resilience is the thing that you're meant to be, you know, teaching and supporting mm-hmm. people with. And then, you know, these seven pillars, I'm just like writing these notes as I'm working with my coach. And I'm like, what the heck? What is this? Where is this coming from? And at the time, of course, it was just theoretical. It was like I got this download and then I started to actually kind of put it to the test with myself first, right, as, as my, my very own case study. And I was like, well, it saved my life. Let me see what it does for other people. And so I started to put other people through this process. Um, and after hundreds of case studies with clients and, and actually beginning to do some research in positive psychology and other modalities that that this work is based in, realized, oh, I, I think I think that I was given something here uh, by source or the or the creator that that actually um, works. And so, you know, it is not theoretical. Uh, it is something I have had to live again and again and again. So that's why I'm so passionate about it, and that's why I'm I'm like trying to get the work out as far and wide as I can because. I've, it saved my life and I've witnessed uh, the impact it has on, on other people's lives as well. I think that's fantastic. I love the, when you talked about, um, like you kind of got the download when you started, like, oh, this is how it works. Um, I love that because I think that, especially when people are in times of hurt or pain or being lost, that you especially feel like it's only happening to you mm-hmm. um, and that you're on this path alone versus times of victory, you're generally celebrating with other people. Yeah. Um, but I think that's one of the hardest things to convey to people or even to understand as yourself is that we're all basically the same up here. Like we have different experiences and, you know, we, we learn things a little bit differently, but our core operating system for most human beings, like I can't say everybody because I'm sure there's some people that aren't, but for pretty much everybody is exactly the same. We experience things, we register it, we make it necessary adjustments. Our emotions all basically work the same. Our decision-making patterns all basically work the same. Yeah. And so, when you find yourself down and out and you feel like you're just by yourself, like no one else in the world could possibly understand what you're going through. Turns out pretty much everybody else in the world can possibly understand what you're going through um, to some level. Like yeah. Maybe not the same exact experiences, but we all have the same base emotions and responses to situations. And yeah. so that to me means that there are, once you find a way that works to kind of adjust yourself, then that means that that can pretty much work for everybody. Some variation of it can pretty much work for everybody. And so just like anything else, like if you play football, there's certain things that you need to learn to get good at it. You want to teach third grade math. There's certain things you need to learn to get good at it. You want to pull yourself out of a depression. There's certain things you need to learn to do it. Like it's just a process. Yeah, I mean, it, it, what you're speaking to here is that there's a strategy. There's a strategy for it, right? And mm-hmm. and you're absolutely right. You know, as human beings, we are more alike than we are unalike. And we do have pretty much the same operating system. We have a lot of the same desires, you know, kind of at our core. We want to be 
seen. We want to be uh, appreciated. We want to feel like our existence matters in some way. We want to, you know, be of contribution in some way. And yeah, when you are going through a dark time, it can feel like you are the only person on the planet who is going through that because our our mind can uh, take yeah, over. And our, there and was, our, there our was only one Sarah yeah. that left. Yeah, it was like our ego. There was only this our, one job. That was my job. Exactly. And our ego structure is designed to keep us separate, right? It's kind of, it's it's designed to make for our own protection, I guess, in some ways. But it's designed to make us feel like, well, I'm separate from you, so my experience is different from you. And when we really look at it, it's we're all pretty much, uh, again, like you said, operating the same way. We all want to be loved. We all want to feel accepted. We all want to feel like we matter in some way. Um, there's different expressions of that, certainly, but at the core of it, it's the same. And so, yeah, when you find a strategy that works, I, just like you were talking about, you know, there's a strategy to being uh, successful in football or sports or whatever. You know, there's a strategy you can implement um, to pull yourself out of a depression and, and re-engage with life. And I guess to put it very simply, I've figured out a strategy that works in terms of cultivating resilience. And it's the irony is not lost on me that I'm a, a trainer of NLP, neurolinguistic programming, which is all about strategies right so it's like you know when you mm -hmm. look at nlp it's it's really the study of the mind i i happen to be obsessed with human behavior and why people do what they do and nlp is a study of of strategies like you know what it's it's a study of what is this person doing over here that works how can i model that and implement that strategy so that i can also have some level of success right kind of if you really boil it down mm -hmm. that's what it is it's a study of excellence um and uh and so really i guess what i did was come up with a strategy and then i tested that strategy to see does it work turns out it does <laughs> and uh <laughs> i was like cool nailed it let's let's rock it out with as many people as we can um and as you say it's gonna it's gonna have variances and it's gonna be a little bit different with each um, individual that, that you're working with. But you know, what's cool about it is that because it's a strategy, uh, it's something that's cross contextual. So you can actually take these seven pillars and put them into a business structure and it does the same thing. So you can literally have radical resilience for your business. So if you take these concepts and apply them to a structure like a business, I mean, a business is just an entity. Mm -hmm. right? So if I take these same or an extension of the owner's self, really, it's an extension of the owner's self and it is a living, breathing thing. It's an entity. So mm -hmm. you're all right. Well, let's, let's take these seven pillars and apply them over here to a business. And how do we create a more resilient business, which is so important right now. Right. And I just, um, I just uh, on my Facebook Live this morning was talking about some mindset principles that you can apply in business and leadership, you know, that that are, again, cross contextual. You can apply this in business and leadership or you can apply it in your personal life or you can apply it into, you know, parenting. You could apply it into sales and marketing. It's like if you just take these basic concepts and extrapolate them and, you know, transpose them into a different situation, um, 
they still work. I'm curious, uh, what are a couple of your favorite concepts that kind of transfer the most categories or that you kind of see like umbrella, like guys, if you can just get like these two or three things down, you'll be taking a really big step forward. Yeah. So I'll share with you uh, a couple things. Um, this morning I was talking about how important mindset is and uh, we're They're called presuppositions of NLP. Uh, I think that's really garbledy gook jargon. So I like to rephrase it as NLP. just empower. Right? It's like what? Who? Who can relate to that? And it's like, okay, so what if we just articulate it this way and call it empowering paradigms? In other words, like mindset things to implement that will help you feel more empowered. They're basically rules to play your life by. Right? And I shared three. Uh, this morning. And and one is understanding that everyone has their own model of the world. So in NLP, they say respect another person's model of the world. Some people get triggered by the word respect. So I like to say just honor and acknowledge that somebody else has another model of the world. I like to say everybody lives in their own version of the universe. That's 100% it. That's it. That's exactly yeah. it. Everyone is living their own uh, yeah. subjective reality. There's no one objective reality. We're all living in our own little exactly. things. So appreciate that somebody else has a different model of the world than you do. That's, um, that's why you can argue that at any given moment, every single purpose, every single person in the world is both correct and incorrect about everything that they're saying. hundred percent. In my mind, the only rule is don't do anything that's going to hurt or take from another person. And past that, everybody's right about everything that they say and think. Exactly. So, you know, even if you don't agree with someone's mm -hmm. model of the world, if you can just appreciate that they have one. They think then, that way because of what they've experienced in their life. And you think the way that you think because of what you've experienced in your life. And there's no way that you could have had cross experiences. Even if you're in the same room, seeing the same exact thing based upon what you've experienced in your life leading up to that moment, you're going to experience what's happening in front of you differently than the person sitting next to you. I couldn't have said it better myself, absolutely. And so the idea is, can you step over into that person's model of the world? Because if you can, it allows you a greater level of flexibility, which is the second thing that I talked about, which is, flexibility in communication, flexibility in business, your ability to be malleable, your ability to adapt is a game changer when it comes to success. If you're too fixed, if you're too rigid in the way that you choose to see the world or you're like, no business has to be done this way. You know, right now everyone's being asked to do business online. Well, if you're like, no, I, that's not how business works and you don't adapt. Well, guess what? It's like, you either adapt or you become obsolete. Exactly. So flexibility, right? Flexibility in your communication. So everyone has their own model of the world. How flexible can you be with your communication, with your view of the world, with your mm -hmm. willingness to adapt? And then third, seek to understand and then be understood. And so, okay, let's just put this in the context of sales and marketing, okay? You, you have a market, you have an ideal demographic that you're wanting to share your particular gifts with, whether that's a product or a service. That market, those people have a model of the world. It may or may not be different than yours, but you have to appreciate they have a model of the world. 
So if you can begin to step over into their model of the world, you get a better understanding of what their needs are. And it's not just about what are their pain points. It's like, really, can you understand their psychology? Can you get over there and go, mm-hmm. what are they what are they feeling right now? What are they fearing right now? What are they, what are their beliefs right now? What are the things that are most important to them right now? Right? And then go, okay, how can I then seek to understand that? And if I don't, how can I ask the right questions, whether it's market research or like, you know, just asking yourself some mm-hmm. questions and answering those. So seek to understand before you're understood, before you put some product out there, seek to understand your market first. And then go, all right, well, how can I then, despite what I think they need, be flexible based on what I'm learning and adapt my product or service to whatever it is that they actually want versus what I think it should be? So again, just these three things, right? Everyone has their own model of the world. Seek to understand before you're understood. And then flexibility yields Um, more possibility and greater influence. Like you can just have greater influence if you're flexible. So those three mindset things are like huge. Just that, just go like run with that. And you will begin to see uh, very different uh, outcomes in your life. Um, You basically just outlined. As clients, we go through these, these empowering paradigms. When I'm working with an organization on, leadership and how to how to how to inspire and and really communicate with your team better we start with these paradigms when i'm working in my group program it's like we start with these paradigms because it's mindset you got to start there first you know so i think this might be a fun little um 30 second teaser so how would you break down those three steps for like the average person that is seeing a tremendous change in their life right now. So like, how would you break those down for people to just kind of like, all right, this is what's happening in my life. These are the steps that I can take right now, just sitting in my home for whatever's going to happen. Awesome. Let's do that with these three things. And then I'll also share with you how some of the pillars specifically can support somebody too, you know, who's, who's going through some things. So Let's say you're sitting at home and you have to uh, now your kids are home and you're homeschooling and running a business or you're homeschooling and being told that you need to work from home and it's a completely different environment. And you're like pulling your hair out because, you know, how, how you're asking me to, to I can't be everything to everyone all at the same time. Right. So, OK, you're having challenges with your kids and challenges, maybe perhaps setting some boundaries. Well, let's just implement these three things, right? Let's just go like with the parenting thing. So, Mm -hmm. all right, my child has a model of the world. It's different than mine. So how can I step over there to what my child might be going through right now and appreciate that and seek to understand what's going on over there first, right? This little person is home. They're not at school anymore. Their world's been turned completely upside down. So let me figure out what's going on over there and just ask some questions, right? Which can be huge when it comes to parenting in general. Let me just understand, sweetie, when you're coming and like, you know, asking mommy or daddy for something every five minutes, like what what is it that you need right now, right? So let me just, let me just seek to understand your world a little bit, right? And then rather than being so rigid, you know, in the way that it's got to be, Uh, You know, certainly boundaries are important, but 
can I be a little bit more flexible, right, in, in the way that I'm approaching this situation mm -hmm. so that everyone's needs can get met? So let me understand this little, little person's needs first, right? Let me understand their model of the world, seek to understand, be a little bit adaptable, and then we can make some agreements and set some boundaries, right, and go, okay, sweetie, like, mommy's going to need from this time to this time, right? And then we will get to this thing that you need to, I promise you, it's just, we got to set these boundaries, right, around the time. So that right there, just those three things, you know, seek to understand, appreciate that your little person has, a, has their model of the world, and then be flexible with them. And of course, set some boundaries, important, mm -hmm. right? Um, how I feel can, like, yeah. sorry. No, no, go ahead. Um, I feel like those same principles, that's very much the same as what you would do, um, like say with the changes happening with your job. So let's say you're just all of a sudden working from home or you're a manager and you've got seven people that are normally in your office and now they're working from home. So um, I can see very quickly how that could become, I guess, chaotic with people constantly calling, texting, emailing, be like, I need this, I need that, where you used to be able to just kind of like look over your shoulder and be like, hey, Steve, like shoot me over that document. You yeah. Know? So, and then there's lots of tools out there, obviously. We've got Zoom, Monday.com, Slack, all sorts of different collaborative um, get jobs done programs. But how do you take that and get everybody on the same page efficiently? Yeah. And it's doing what you said. It's reaching out to everybody and being like, okay, your whole world is different. Like, what is your household like? Because maybe three of those seven people might have kids, but the other four don't. And then so it's like, all right, so these three people have to deal with their kids all day now. They, they, they're not in school, so they have to entertain them. They have to exercise them. They have to feed them. They have to be their 30 friends that are normally in class, giving them attention that they're used to. Mm -hmm. They have to be all of that and their teacher. Like, I don't know if I said that already. I might have. So yeah. it's like dealing with that, but then, yeah, but then your work too. So it's like, all right. So being like the manager, it's like, all right. So you reach out to everybody. You go, what are your needs? What is actually going on in your life? Like, yeah, you're, I'm your boss. You're going to tell me that, you're going to do everything you can. You're going to be there and that it's going to be possible. But the reality is, it's like, there's going to be a learning curve. Like, so I yeah. can totally see how that just kind of works for all situations. You know, my like, like I have a team and, you know, we work from, we've always worked remotely because my team is, mm -hmm. you know, multi-locational. And what's going on right now requires a, a greater level of uh, taking a pause to really um, seek to understand what's going on with your team kind of what you just said right and so we've we've dedicated some time at the beginning of every meeting to just checking in with everybody right um, Simon Sinek had a great video a, a few weeks ago about doing a huddle with your team that has nothing to do with work but that is really and truly just a check-in with everyone to say how are you what's going on in your world you know and just giving some time and space for people to to share. So as the leader of an organization or a team, you can just dedicate some time to that process of seeking to understand, right? So just taking some time to really get what's going on in every individual's life, right? And then, yeah, like, how do we then adapt? And how can we become flexible and setting up some systems? I mean, of course, we want to 
have some consistency and have some systems in place. Mm -hmm. And that goes to the idea of, of, of boundaries, right? Which I didn't speak to a lot, but that's an important component in all of this too, but setting some clear systems and boundaries too around, you know, how things need to operate. Um, so those things can, can be big game changers. And, you know, I just, uh, uh, my podcast released last week, uh, Radical Resilience, the podcast, and nice. we've got a, a few episodes in there for folks. And last week I dropped a bonus episode that's all about these seven resilience uh, pillars and how we can use them right now as, mm -hmm. as we're going through a, a, a time when they're maybe more necessary than ever. And, um, you know, just for your audience really quick, I mean, I think these seven pillars are things that you can run through, you know, in, in things that are small and large, right? So you can take time with each of these pillars and really master each one over the course of a period of time. Or you can even just do like a checklist, right? As you're having a situation where you're like, I am really challenged right now, right? And so you can just run through these seven pillars and just kind of go, okay, radical self-care. What do I need right now, right? For like my body, my mind, my spirit, as I'm going through this very difficult situation, do I need a glass of water? Do I need to get up and move? Am I hungry, <laughs> right? Just basics, right? So radical self-care identity. Who am I being right now in this moment? And is it in alignment with who I want to be? And if the answer is no, how can I move to pillars number three and four and go, okay, what needs to heal right now? So what is it? Is there something inside of me that I need to pay attention to and process? Right? And then unconditional acceptance. How can I just sit with that? Like take 10 minutes to just breathe through that and just let the emotions be there process them, let them move up and out. Okay. So now I, okay. So now I'm feeling a little bit more grounded through unconditional acceptance and now, okay, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit better connection and community. Do I need a lifeline right now? Do I need to call somebody? Do I need to call a friend and reach out to someone in my tribe for a little extra support? Maybe, you know, maybe, uh, thrive. Okay. Let's see. How can I be creative cultivating creativity? How can I be creative right now in, coming up with the solution for whatever this is that's challenging me right now and think outside the box a little bit and, and try this in a different approach. Let me be creative. And then, okay, all right, that, that worked. I'm starting to see things a little bit differently or maybe I found a different solution. How can I find joy right now? Like, you know, we say joy as a daily spiritual practice. In this moment, where's the joy? How can I find the joy in this moment, right? So that's all seven pillars. And maybe you did that in like 10 minutes. It's like a checklist, like ch -ch 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 start at the top, right? <laughs> Kindergarten care. Am I thirsty? Am I hungry? Do I need a nap? Right? And then. I mean, yes to all of those. Yeah. Run through it. <laughs> that's just being an adult. Right? I get it. It's like sometimes adulting is hard. Right? Yeah. I mean, I woke up this morning and so we've been, I've been taking advantage of this quarantine and me and my buddy, we started a week ago. So every night working out, doing something physical just because, you oh. know. So we hit a week straight. And last night was yoga day. Every day seven is yoga day. I woke up this morning and my back is just like, nope, <laughs> fuck you. And I was like, guess what? I'm going to be laying in bed for like two more hours, just slowly like moving around to trying to warm it up because it hurts a lot because I'm old. And I'm not even that old. But, you know, <laughs> that's kind of like the daily self-care. It's like, well, you know. That's just where I'm at right now. But you got to listen to that. You know, I'm really glad that you listened to that. Because the other thing I think um, 
I'll yeah, say if I don't, then I'm, I'm out for a week. Yeah, I mean, I, and I'll and I'll say I'm guilty of this, right? We have all this time right now in quarantine, and and as as high achievers, which you know, I know many of your listeners are. I am. Many of my clients mm-hmm. are. We go. How can I maximize this time, right? And do the like, like how can I be winning right now with this time, which is cool and fine. But can you also give yourself a little grace and acknowledge that this shit is exhausting? Yeah. Right? Mentally, it's taxing. Emotionally, it's taxing. Everybody I know has been sleeping at least an extra hour or two on top of their normal sleep schedule. Yes. And just give yourself grace and permission to go, you know what my body needs today is a little extra sleep. What my body Mm -hmm. needs today is, you know, I'm going to be do a little gentle yin yoga rather than like getting out there and like working out because I'm going to come out of this quarantine more fit than I was when I went in. You know, it's like, that's great. If that, if, you know, if you're inspired to do that and your body's going, yes, then for sure go for it. But I just like to remind everybody right now to grace is like so important. Listen to your body, be kind. It's like you just mentioned um, high achievers during this time. So it's like, Myself, like I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. I've always had my own businesses. I've always worked 17 hour days or, you know, like that's just, and that's what I plan on doing for my whole life. So it's like, for me, it's like, I'm not in a rush to get my business to a certain level. But so I feel like there's a lot of people out there like that, like me though. It's like, I'm a, I'm going to be a lifetime high achiever. Like my parents are high achievers. Like that's just, sister's high achiever like it's just in our blood so to me the way i look at it is times like this is just saying you know what this is a time where things are slower so just be in the slow yes let it be slower because you will discover things about yourself and the way you feel Um, and if you're not moving as fast, you'll be able to keep up with the changes happening in the external world a lot faster because you'll be giving yourself the time to process it and acknowledge. Um, it's just like when they say like you have an issue, like acceptance and acknowledgement are the first steps to getting over it. So if you're not giving yourself the time as a business owner or a high achiever, whatever you're high achieving to see the changes happening, then you're going to see that while everyone was going this way, the world's starting to go this way, but you're still going this way. Yeah. And then all of a sudden in a few months, everything's going to drop out because the world changed and you didn't because you didn't give yourself that little bit of extra time every day to just be. Yeah. And to just sit in it and, you know, soak it up and be like, all right, this is what's happening. Yeah. I, man, that's so it's, again, you just stated that so well, which is, you know, I'll just use a personal story, okay, to to kind of drive, to sort of uh, reinforce what you just said, which is, you know, I've I've been, you know, we're we're collectively being asked to slow the fuck down, right? And and we're being asked to like be more still, do more reflecting, you know, we're all being told like stay inside, you know, metaphorically go inside, you know, and and do a little bit of sort of reevaluating of things. And I'll admit, I've been, I got a little antsy, you know, mm-hmm. cause I, I live alone. I live with my sweet puppy dog, Jack, and I got a little oh. antsy. 
And even though I um, have intuitively been feeling, man, I got to rest a little more. I got to be still. I got to like give myself permission to just be like, just read. And I've been That's it. give yourself permission. Give yourself permission. Otherwise, you're going to be getting that little thing pulling in your brain, being like, you should be working. You should be working. You should be yeah. working. Like, you're not doing enough. And you I, have to acknowledge it and give yourself permission. You Otherwise, that voice shouldn't go away. Well, here's, here's, here's what happens when you don't. <laughs> so I'll just tell you my story, which is I'm hearing that and I'm honoring that sometimes. And then sometimes. And so yesterday it's Sunday, you know, it's like really a day that's like, oh, it's just chill and relax. And I was like, yeah, but I just, man, I feel like I haven't been working out enough and I really want to like, okay, that's enough. Like I'm, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to get on my rollerblades for the first time in like five years. And I'm just going to really like do it. Well, in my life anyway, when I don't listen to my intuition, which to me is, is really a message from source, like for something larger than myself, usually I get a pretty hard smackdown. <laughs> and yesterday was no exception. So I was like, yeah, but, and I got my rollerblades on and I went out there and I was going to go rollerblading and I was, I didn't realize that my house was on such a steep hill. So I'm like going down this hill and I'm picking up speed and I'm picking up speed and I'm picking up speed and I'm going, I got to slow down. I got So I got to slow down or I'm going to run, I'm going to fall into that street. Like I'm, I'm not going to be able to stop before the crosswalk and I'm going to get hit by a car. And so as I'm picking up speed, I'm trying to slow down with my brake and I'm not slowing down. So I was like, okay, I'm going to hang on to this fence to try and stop myself. Like I'm going to reach out and hold on to this fence to slow myself down. Well, I had picked up so much speed that I couldn't slow down. So as I grabbed the fence, my legs go out from underneath me and I slam back on my ass, hit the back of my head. And, uh, and now I'm just laying there like forced to slow down and not move. <laughs> okay. And this has happened in my life so many times when I hadn't listened. And so what was the result of that? Well, I didn't go rollerblading. That's for damn sure. Right. And I got all kinds of fun little, you know, war wounds to, to show for it. I got a nice knot on my head. I sat there for a few minutes going, do I have a concussion? Right. And so, yeah, I, you know, I called my mom anyway, she's a nurse and found out I don't have a concussion, but at the end of the day, what's the moral of the story? My body said, be still, sit down, you know, slow down, go inside, reflect, chill. It's going to be okay. My ego got the best of me and I decided to go out there. And the metaphor in this is like insane where it's like, instead of slowing down, I kept picking up speed until I came slamming to a halt and literally got knocked on my ass, which then resulted in a forced slowdown and a whole lot of pain. Yep. Okay, got it. Sometimes I need the universe to smack me down, but let that be, let my smackdown be a, be a cautionary tale for you that if you don't slow down, sometimes you'll get smacked down, you know? You know I feel like that's a pretty universal um example of just the human spirit versus the universe i mean it's it's definitely in human nature to just i mean probably just animal nature in general i feel like people 
separating themselves from animals is one of the biggest fallacies human beings has ever made. Oh, God, yeah. We're all just so, creatures. Yeah. I mean, you look at animals all over the place, like, yeah, we have all of those same tendencies. It's just somehow mm -hmm. we have a brain that makes us think that we're smarter than everything else. And often we're not. <laughs> no, I think it gets in our way mostly. Because we also have egos, you know, like we mm -hmm. have egos that get in the way uh, versus animals really listen to their instincts. I you know? mean, animals have pride in egos. Like you can hurt a dog's pride very easily. You sure can. Right. But, you know, our, our, our neocortex, this guy up front, um, can sometimes uh, really hose up the situation for us in a way that if a dog's pride gets hurt, they kind of go, they revert back to like just survival, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes our neocortex and our and our ego fixations can um, hijack the whole system like mine did yesterday, right? It was like, if I yeah. had just listened to my intuition. Yeah, uh, I think it's you know, justification versus intuition. Exactly. Like the brain and, allows us to justify literally anything that we want it to make it justify. Yeah, we can. We can. We can. We can find a reason um, mm -hmm. why I should be doing this thing. But if we can slow down enough right now and really drop in to the body and listen to the intuition, which is really of the heart and the gut, right? Like mm -hmm. that—that's really the second brain, right? Is that heart-gut connection? Some people actually think that's the first. first the heart I think I've heard a lot about that about um, the gut and how many uh, I guess neural connections there are to the gut that we're really just discovering and that like listening to your gut is a real thing um, that uh, it's one of the more I guess core or base processing centers for our body it is. I mean, I'm not going to get into all the science of like your reptilian brain and your emotional brain and your neocortex and all of that, but which I'd I love to do that with you someday. Anytime. Um, uh, but you know, from us, let's just go from a spiritual perspective here. Right. Um, because that can be fun too. Why not? Um, you know, we, our intuition is, is something that's guiding us that goes uh, goes beyond our mental processing system. You know, our brains uh, are really useful. Our minds are very useful um, for some things and for other things, uh, not at all. And um, our intuition, you know, which which is that gut feeling, you know, is sometimes where wisdom is. Mm -hmm. Wisdom is really in the gut, is in the intuition is wisdom comes from something above and beyond uh, our minds. You know, again, whether or not you're religious is irrelevant. It doesn't have to do with religion or whether or not you believe in God. There is a higher intelligence at play here. There is, a, mm -hmm. there is some intelligent force that goes above and beyond our human experience and our human mind. And we have access to that intelligence you know, through our intuition. Now, whether you want to call it God or, you know, the collective uh, consciousness, you know, if you like that better, if you want to call it energy, you want to call it the universe, we have access to that. And how we receive that, that, um, that wisdom is by way of our intuition, by way of our gut. 
And uh, if we can slow down, that's why, you know, meditation is, is such an important thing because it forces us to slow down. And if you're using a meditation practice that allows your mind to settle, because you're never going to stop your, your, your thoughts, right? That's an impossible thing. But if you can let, at least allow your mind to settle and uh, give your mind a piece of candy, <laughs> you know, that's what like a mantra is, or even just mindfulness meditation where you're well, focusing on your body. It's, it's what they call being in the flow. Be in the flow. Um, so like, that's why they call it like a yoga flow. But it's also um, like when you're in sports or a physical activity, um, and it is where your brain literally you stop the frontal cortex processing, and your body and brain just go into doing what you've trained to do. Exactly. Like it, it only comes like when you're in a situation where things are happening like at a pace that you cannot really keep up mentally and then so your body just goes into like this is just what we're doing exactly and, and so that's in the, when when you're in actually <clears throat> yeah some people call it the zone um yeah, so you call zone. it the zone and so you can get into that you know by going into a deep meditation and there's actually a way that you can get into the flow and get into the zone even in your waking state um that i teach people <clears throat> I can feel when my body goes into yeah. the zone when I'm meditating. Like all of a sudden it'll just feel like my whole body just like drops. Yeah. Like two inches. Like I just sunk into the earth a little bit and then be like, all right, I just got here. Exactly. Like I can actually feel you're, it happen. Like, like out, like now in your, you're in your body, you know, you're connected to those higher intelligent forces and your mind, the processing system um, is taking a time out, which is what we want, right? So when I say we give the mind a piece of candy, it's like we're telling your conscious waking mind to kind of go over here, chew on this candy, do something else, right? So whether that's repeating a mantra, whether that's, you know, um, being in your body and focusing on sensations, we're just giving the conscious mind something to do mm -hmm. so that you can be in that higher intelligence, which, you know, really consists of your unconscious mind that and and your ability to connect to something higher than yourself, which, you know, in, in my model, we refer to that as your higher self. And you got your higher self, your unconscious mind, and your conscious mind. And when you're meditating, you're really kind of allowing your unconscious mind in that moment, and you're receiving um, that sense of inner wisdom. Mm -hmm. You're receiving that higher intelligence. You're you're able to be more receptive to that wisdom, yeah. you know. So it's like it's so important for us right now to tap into that wisdom. And sometimes that wisdom is going to tell us something that the conscious mind is going to want to contradict because it thinks it knows what's best, right? Based on our mental constructs and our external influences, right? So my conscious mind yesterday went. Yeah, but we got to go exercise and we got to be fit. And, you know, like you can't sit around all, all the time. You're going to come out of this quarantine thing and you're going to be squishy and, you know, overweight and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, where the inner wisdom and, and sort of the higher intelligence was going, yeah, and you need to be still right now, girl. You need to just drop into that inner wisdom and listen because maybe there's some way that you're going to innovate how you're bringing this this work that you're doing in the world out into the world that you can't access with your conscious mind. So just sit down, 
be still and listen. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. You know, it's like, you know, you have people say some of my best ideas come when I'm in the shower. It's because when you're in the shower, this slows down a bit, at least, you know, if, if you can get into a relaxed enough state that that mental chatter slows down enough where you're able to actually receive those like inspirations. What is inspiration? Mm-hmm. It comes from the Latin word inspiratu, which means in spirit. When you're inspired, you're actually receiving a download from something larger than yourself, right? And you're going, oh, yeah. Eureka, I had an idea. We've, I've had discussions about um, downloading ideas from the ether before with people where, um, and it's definitely something that I've experienced as well, where basically just out of nowhere, a whole complete idea just comes down and it's all you can do to just get it out of your brain and write it down. And it's like, it takes over your whole spirit and body and you're like, this is my new purpose. This is what I have to do. Like it all makes sense. It was exactly how the seven pillars of resilience came to be. It was not... I always like to say it did not come from me. It came through me for sure. But it was one of those moments where it was like, I just started writing, you know, and I was getting some prompts, certainly from my coach, some questions. But as I'm answering these questions, it's just flowing like through me, you know? So like, I feel like the download from the ether happens or, but some people might call it like finding your purpose in life where it's just, you're finally in a place where um, you understand enough about who you are and what you want. And then that's somehow matching magically with your experiences of the world and what you've learned and your knowledge. And then all of a sudden your brain just goes, all right, so you see these 10 million neural connections over here. We're going to connect it with this billion neural connections over here. And all of a sudden magic, boom, like boom, it happens. And your brain just goes, it makes sense. And And it's really your life. It's like, you know, it's, you know, we are all here for some reason, right? It's like, there's got to be some reason, some purpose for our existence. Now, I am not of the mind that we all only have one thing that we're meant to do, right? So I love Elizabeth Gilbert, uh, incredible author, but she talks about how some people are um, hummingbirds and some people are, uh, I think she calls them jackhammers, where some people find that one thing that is their thing. And like a jackhammer, they just stay with that one thing, right? Because that is their thing. Mm -hmm. And some people are hummingbirds and they do, you know, they have many things that feel like is their divine purpose at any given time. So it's not about finding your one purpose in life. It's going, what's my purpose right now? What am I being called to do right now? If you're a hummingbird, cool. You know, I've been a hummingbird, shit. Like, I've had so many different iterations to my career. I used to be in the performing arts. I thought that was it, you know? So it was like, oh, that's it. I'm an actor, singer, dancer forever. And it's like, turns out there's more, there's, there's more, right? And so I, you know, my best friend, Jackhammer, music, you know, making music, being a songwriter, being a musician, that's been her thing for as long as I've known her. And me, it's like, I'm a hummingbird. So I'm like, I'm over here and my purpose is over here. My purpose is over here. And and at that moment that might be the thing that you're going to do for a while but i just want to caution people against going oh well i i 
I haven't found my one thing, so there's something wrong. It's like, no, it's just, what's your thing right now, mm -hmm. right? What, it, what feels like it's inspiring you that's like lighting you up where you're going, this is the thing for now. Yeah. You know, it might change. It's okay. It's okay if it changes. I feel like that's what's going to be happening right now is a lot of people are, um, I guess, just to kind of conclude our whole conversation today yeah. is that people now have the time, even if it's just an extra 30 minutes a day of silence, even yeah. if their home lives are even more chaotic than normal, like mm -hmm. just the world being slower. It's so much quieter and more peaceful just overall. The air is cleaner. The sun mm -hmm. feels brighter. Mm -hmm. The water is cleaner. Like here in Pacific Beach, a seal came up and was playing on the sand by one of the piers. It's normally just covered in tourists, mm -hmm. you know? So everything is so much more silent and peaceful, allowing people to really connect with what they're really feeling mm -hmm. and to actually experience it and be in it. And I'm really hoping that through this, people can start to find more of their own purposes yeah. instead of working for other people's purposes, moving yeah. out of this. So, I mean, listen, we're the, the, the globe, mother earth is more resilient than any of us. Right. And um, we could really take a cue from nature right now and, mm -hmm. uh, and see that, you know, when things get to be too much for mama earth, she finds ways to, um, to heal. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so, okay, we're all being asked to, take that collective pause as mother earth is pausing to replenish and heal and do what she needs to do. And so how can we do the same and pause and reflect and heal and maybe come out with a greater sense of clarity and focus and purpose? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think, I think it's really powerful what you're doing with people right now. Thank you. And I think that this is definitely a time for you and other people in your industry to really take a step forward yeah. and acknowledge that, you know, this might be a time for you to be a real leader. Yeah. Um, because there's a lot of people experiencing these emotions for the first time and these thought processes. And yeah. it's, it's scary when you have all these crazy new thoughts um, and then, I mean, it's like I said before, I've always kind of been an entrepreneur, but I have a lot of friends that have just, we're just workers. Like they're like, I'm just going to go to my job, get a paycheck, do that. And then all of a sudden they found themselves in a space of becoming an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's something where their whole world just kind of shook. And then they're like, screw it. Like, I don't, I was never meant for that anyways. I'm going to do this. Exactly. I think, that, I think that right now that that's just happening on a mass scale and a lot yeah. of people are about to say, screw it. And then when they're forced to make it for two months without a job, then they see that it's possible to make it for two months without another person paying them. And that we're going to see a lot of people taking their own power back. I think it's huge. And, you know, now more than ever, cultivating that sense of inner resilience and inner fortitude and inner congruence right, is so important so that you can go out there and create something that's wholly unique. You know, you can start that business, you know, maybe you you, you shift your family dynamics uh, in a way that you never have before. Maybe your relationship 
transforms and and becomes like it's never been before. Um, but this this inner congruence, this inner resilience, is so important right now. So I, I appreciate you so much for uh, having me on the show so that I can share this with your community and get this out as far and wide as uh, as we can. Um, you know, I'm happy to support your community in any which way that I can. Um, so just thank you. Absolutely. Um, I would love it if in the comments on this live on Facebook, if you could drop the link to your podcast. Yeah, um, absolutely. It's um, I will just share. It's called Radical Resilience, the podcast. It's available on every possible platform. Um, what I'll do is I will share um, here. I have my phone right here. So I'll just I'll just share the. the to be the let me just silence this real quick um but i will i will drop the uh, apple podcast link in here because i think that's where a lot of people tend to go for their for their podcast needs um uh it's great and if certainly if people want to reach out to me individually for any support i'm here you can certainly pm me uh, on facebook or um you know just pop over to my website coachpega.com it's really easy and you can drop me a note there so uh, I will right now just find that link really quick and um, share it with everybody in your comments. And as I do that, uh, I'll let you sort of fill the time a bit. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So for any of you guys out there yeah. still watching, I imagine we still have a few viewers going on here. Um, definitely take this time to figure out who you actually are and what you want with your own life. Yeah. I think that um, I think that what's happening right now is actually a gift for the world. Yeah. I think that um, while a lot of people are putting on being put under a lot of strain and pressure, um, and I know that there's a good handful of people that are probably in really negative energy. Yeah. possibly violent or harmful situations being stuck in your house with certain people. But I think for the majority, um, that's probably not the case yeah. and that this is really going to be a positive time um, for self-reflection and learning your own strength. Yeah. And I think that if everybody out there can just take this time to focus on the pain as a good thing, yeah. Um, that everybody's going to come out of this and we're going to have a stronger global economy and a happier overall population, um, people more self-fulfilled from everything. So. Agreed. I really beautifully said, I, I, I agree. I think this is really an opportunity if we can choose to see it that way. So. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this has been such a pleasure. Um, thank you so much for sharing your podcast link. I'm definitely going to go follow that. Thank you. Put that up right there. Really Thank you. That's awesome. And then the podcast link is just above that as well. So, um, yeah, we're pretty excited. There's there's some really incredible guests. Uh, do not be dissuaded by the fact that we talk about how it's for women. The the content is is very relatable for for both men and women. Um, you know, it's just that I happen to work primarily with women, so we we geared the podcast in that direction, but. Um, you know, in particular, there's there's a few podcasts on there that I mean, all the podcasts, you know, and the tools and anything that we share on there can be used. You know, it's not gender specific. And, um, 
you know, it is, it is just, uh, it's meant to really be of service to whomever is listening. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Um, I look forward to connecting with you more in the future. Likewise. Thanks, Greg. I appreciate you. you got it. Have a wonderful rest of your day. All right. You too. Bye. Bye.